Well, it was uh, just another day in the Chicago suburbs as uh, Lisa Jefferson drives into work. A drive that, uh, that she had made almost every single day, five days a week, uh, for the past 18 years. What you need to know about Lisa Jefferson is uh, that she works at the Verizon Airphone Call Center in Oak Brook, Illinois. Now, the call center that, uh, that receives phone calls uh, from the phones and airplane seat backs, and it's, uh, it's not the most glamorous of jobs out there, uh, but over the past two decades, she's managed to rise in the ranks, and uh, she's also managed to provide for her family. On this particular day, uh, she parks her car uh, in the parking lot at the Verizon complex and, and makes her way uh, into her cubicle, not knowing, unaware, that just hours later she would take a phone call that no training manual could ever prepare her for. Hi, she says. My name's Lisa Jefferson. And then she listens to the person uh, on the other end of the line, a surprisingly calm caller. And then she responds, I understand that your plane is being hijacked. See, on September 11th, uh, 2001, uh, Lisa Jefferson thought that it was going to be just another day. Uh, just another day, and then she took that call. You know, if you, uh, if you happen to be there, uh, or if you remember what it was like, uh, then maybe the same is true for you. you. You thought, you think, that it's going to be just another day, and then you flip on the news. Or you think that it's going to be just another day, uh, and then you show up to work and speak to a colleague. Or you think that it's going to be just another day, and you walk into the classroom, and you realize that today isn't going to be another day. It's going to be a day that no one will ever forget. You know, one of the things that, uh, that struck me on September 11th uh, was not just uh, the enormity of the event, but rather the, uh, the time that it took to recover, the time that it took uh, the, our country to put things back together again. I mean, in New York City, uh, the search for survivors started almost immediately, but continued for days. And in uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, there weren't any survivors, and uh, in Washington, D.C., we don't know a whole lot about what happened at the Pentagon, but what we do know is that uh, 184 people died that morning, and it took more than a year uh, to put back together the exterior of the Pentagon. And, you know, today there are memorials at all three of these locations. These memorials, they, they serve as a reminder uh, about what happened, but also a reminder that the recovery is never really over. You know, it's because uh, experiences like this, they, they shape us, they change us, and they take time before we can move on. You know, it's, uh, it's not just uh, September 11th. I mean, it's true of all sorts of things in our life. Anyone who has ever lost a loved one knows this, knows that it takes time to recover, time to transition, time to move on. You know, maybe it's a, a disappointment or a rejection in your life, a frustration because something didn't go your way or, or something just didn't go the way it should. And, you know, then there are the challenges that all of us face, challenges that we want to overcome, but, you know, this thing happened, and it takes time to recover, time to transition, time to move on. And, you know, if you're anything like me, it's this reality that makes today's reading so hard to hear. 
You see, we meet Jesus, uh, and, and he meets a bunch of people who want to follow him, but it takes time to move on. Jesus, one of them says, my father died. I need to go bury him. Jesus, uh, another says, uh, I'm coming, but I need to say goodbye to my family first. You see, we meet these people who want to follow Jesus, but it, it takes time to transition, time to move on. And Jesus, Jesus, it seems, he isn't willing to wait. And if you're anything like me, it, it maybe just leaves you wondering, what do you do with that? See, it's this question, uh, what do you do with that, uh, that I want to address today? And it's, uh, it's a question that as we dig into today's reading that will challenge us. Uh, it's a question that as we dig into today's reading uh, will probably convict us. Uh, but I'm also convinced that it's a question that will show us just how deep God's love for people like you and me goes. And so it's with uh, thoughts like these in mind that I want to set the scene for you. See, Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling down the road to Jerusalem. They're, they're moving from one town to the next to the next. And along the way, they encounter these three people in relatively quick succession. You know, we're not entirely told who they are. We're simply told that uh, they've learned about Jesus at some point, And they want to follow him. And so they come to Jesus in today's reading, and, and the conversations they have, they show us uh, what it means to follow Jesus. It means going where he goes. It means leaving their family and friends possibly behind. And it means joining Jesus on, on his mission as he shows the whole world that every single moment matters. Because every single person matters to God. I sort of like to, to picture uh, the first conversation taking place just outside of town. Uh, I mean, this enthusiastic young man comes to Jesus, and he's brimming with excitement about the journey ahead. Uh, I, I just can't wait for all the good times that we're going to have together. I mean, that's the, the sort of disposition, the sort of thing that I imagine crosses his mind. There will be healings and, and miracles, feeding of the thousands, uh, the raising of the dead. And, and so he goes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Which is also why I got to imagine there's a sense of surprise when he hears Jesus' response. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, it's Jesus' way of telling this man that there is no security on the road ahead. I mean, we're just moving from one town to the next to the next. And so, and so you can almost hear him saying, you know, are you really going to follow me? I mean, you'll probably follow me through Samaria, but when we get to Jerusalem... The going is going to get tough. When we, when we go to the Sanhedrin, they're, they're going to accuse you too. And at Golgotha, the place of the skull, the place where I'm going to be crucified, all hope is going to seem lost. Now, we don't hear this uh, man's response. And, you know, maybe that's God's way of, of asking us. God's way of saying to us that the road ahead, the road of following Jesus, always leads to the cross. 
Now, a little while later, uh, we encounter this other man, and this would-be disciple, uh, he isn't a volunteer. He's actually a a recruit. Uh, Jesus goes to him and says, follow me. And maybe you remember what this man says. Uh, He says, uh, you know, essentially, sure thing, Lord, but first I need to go bury my father. And it sounds like a a perfectly reasonable response. I mean, this man is is trying to be responsible. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to take care of the dead. But, But, you know, Jesus' words confront him just like they confront us. Let the dead bury the dead. Maybe it makes you wonder, what's Jesus saying to us? I mean, what sorts of things is he going to ask us to give up? Spending time with loved ones? Saving for the future, advancing in a career? I mean, what is it? I mean, these are all good and important things, but is Jesus suggesting that these things might just have the power to hinder people like you and me? You know, when we get to the third man in today's reading, uh, that's certainly the sense that we get, because this man, I mean, he is ready to follow Jesus. That's what he says, but he's got to take care of something first. Lord, first, let me go and say goodbye to my family. Quite honestly, this is what I would want to do too. But Jesus' response, it's crystal clear. There's no time for that. And and that's what makes today's reading just so hard for us because, because Jesus has this sense of urgency about him. But it takes time to move on. And and so it it begs this question, how is Jesus' urgency going to impact people like you and me? Now, if, uh, if today's reading uh, were made into a movie, I sort of like to picture uh, that it would take place at one of those pivotal moments, one of those transitions from a, a major scene to the, to the next. You see, most scholars, uh, they like to divide the book of Luke into roughly four, maybe five parts, depending on uh, how you parse it out. Uh, the first part is uh, the Christmas story. It's a story of of Mary and Joseph, angels and shepherds. It's a story about Jesus' birth. And the last part of the story is uh, is the story of Good Friday. It's the story of Easter. It's the story of of, uh, Jesus' uh, arrest, his trial, his his crucifixion, his death. Uh, But then three days later, the story of when God raises him from the dead. It's the story that when Jesus is on a mission— Nothing is going to stop him. And then you got all this stuff in the middle. And, uh, and, and Luke, he, he almost neatly divides it in half for us. You see, the first half of uh, that middle section is the story of Jesus and his disciples, his ministry in and around the Sea of Galilee. They're 75 miles north of Jerusalem, and they, they heal people. Uh, they, they feed people. They teach people. There's even this one story where Jesus raises this young girl from the dead. And uh, eventually, though, there's this time where Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. He heads to Jerusalem. It takes uh, Luke almost 10 chapters to tell this part of the story. And that's why, if I had to imagine today's story as a movie, it would take place at this point. Because today's story is, is a story that happens right at that transition, right as they, they head south towards to Jerusalem. And, and maybe you can picture what this scene would look like in your imagination. 
You know, Jesus and his disciples are ministering in and around the Sea of Galilee, and then the camera cuts in close. Jesus turns his head, and there's a a sense of, of foreboding that washes over his face. And then the camera passes down the road 75 miles south to Jerusalem, where you find yourself right outside the city walls, and then you see a hill. And on that hill are three crosses. Now, moments later, you are back with Jesus, but all of a sudden you understand exactly why Jesus has this sense of urgency in his tone. Because you've seen where Jesus is going. You've seen what he's about to do. And there isn't a lot of time left, and so every single moment matters. Now, as I've uh, been thinking about today's reading, the other thing that strikes me is that there is a certain urgency to being human. You see, there's only ever so much time left, no matter who you are. There's only ever so much time left. And, and Jesus, Jesus knows this. That's why he urges us to use our time wisely, to, to make it count. And he gives us a picture of what that looks like in these interactions with these three people, especially uh, that second man. The second man comes to Jesus and says, I need to go bury my father. Maybe you remember how Jesus responds. Uh, Jesus looks at him and says, let the dead go and bury their own dead. And in my memory of this story, that's where Jesus' words end. You see, Jesus uh, continues. He goes on. He says, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You know, there are are two things I want you to notice about this. Uh, First, I want you to notice Jesus never tells this man don't go to the funeral. You see, the the text is actually ambiguous. Jesus just says, go. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I mean, maybe this man is supposed to go to the funeral uh, because some things in life really are that important. But they're never so important that we can't go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And and that's the second thing I want you to notice in this story, and it's Jesus' message to this man and to us. Uh, There is nothing in our life that is so important that we can't proclaim or participate in the kingdom of God. You see, when you think about it, this is the the challenge, the temptation that many of us face, the, the temptation to believe that there are some things in life that are so important that we can't proclaim or that we can't participate in the kingdom of God. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, your job. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's the season of life that you find yourself in. See, the temptation is to believe that there are some things in our life that are so important that we have to, to wait that we have to stop, that we have to hit pause on proclaiming or participating in the kingdom of God. You see, this is when Jesus loves this man enough to tell him that is just not true. It's not true because every single moment matters. Every single moment in this man's life matters because every single person matters to God. And, and he encourages us to live like this is true, to live like every moment matters, because it really does, and he uses them. He uses us to announce his kingdom and to show the whole world that there is nothing that our God won't do 
to show us his love. I mean, that's what, what Jesus shows us when he goes to the cross. He shows us that every single moment matters because every single person matters to him. Now, on September 11th, uh, 2001, Lisa Jefferson had no idea why that day was going to be so significant. Now, that just hours after she parks her car in the parking lot and heads into work, uh, that she is going to take a phone call that will upend her life and that her nation would be under attack. Understand your plane is being hijacked. That's how our conversation uh, with a man named Todd Beamer begins. But their conversation it lasted 13 minutes. And their conversation uh, it ended with a prayer. The Lord's Prayer, as she prayed with Todd Beamer for the people on that airplane in the midst of the very worst. And I like to think that, uh, that Lisa gives us a picture of, of what it looks like to follow Jesus. To proclaim the kingdom of God in the midst of the very worst. To proclaim the kingdom of God in the midst of our everyday lives. Because you don't have to leave your everyday life behind. Quite the opposite. But it does mean that you have to be ready. It does mean that you have to be open. Because you never know when or how God might just use your life to show someone else that every single moment matters because every single person matters to God. That's what he shows us in Jesus, and that's what he shows the whole world through all of you. So may God bless you as he uses you to do just that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.